Welcome to this week's episode of Paddy Talks Golf. Whether you're listening on your device, in podcast format, or maybe you're here on YouTube and you're watching this as well. So thank you all for pressing play this week. Maybe it's your first time here. If it is, consider following the podcast or hitting subscribe over here on YouTube. The show, the podcast, is powered by 4Golf Custom. Derek and Don and Christine and Jill, family-run business here in Ireland, but the world's best, the best in the business, in the tour-level custom-fitting experience. Head over there to Clean Castle. The booking link is in the show notes below. You cannot get built better golf clubs than the Don and Derek. They're at the top of their game. This week's episode, it's a bit special. It's the first time we're doing this. It's a two-part episode, so you're going to have to tune in in a couple of days' time to get part two. Part, it's all around. It's a Cairn Golf Link special. The PGA show is next week, the end of January, so I thought it'd be really good timing to put this out this week. So anyone who's going to the show or maybe who's planning a trip to Ireland in the near future, this year, next year, whenever, or maybe you're here on the island of Ireland and you just want to explore, learn more about Karen Golflings you've heard or seen or seen pictures or friends, friends have played it. So hopefully these two episodes will give you a bit more depth, a bit more context and insight into what Karen, that special, biblical, beautiful place on the wide Atlantic way, golf on the edge of the world is like. Without further ado, part one is with General Manager, who also was voted General Manager of the Year in Ireland. It's Fiona Mihintor. Roll it there, Clet. I mean, listen, we're talking about practice. Joe Bradley told us the production line was finished in Kerry. Where's well, Joe Bradley? What did he get at? Fiona Meehan, are you ready to tee it up? I am indeed. Take 2.0. Anyone who's come on the show knows it generally takes two or three goals for me to get it right, even 160 <laughs> episodes in. So thank you for the time. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> we'll, jump, we'll jump straight in because you're the busiest woman in golf. Busiest, busiest person in golf, let's be politically correct, uh, running the show with Jerry and Karen. Fiona, what is your earliest golfing memory? Right, well, I was probably a latecomer to golf. I was brought up in London um, of Irish parents. So I was brought up in um, in Tottenham in London. So there wasn't, it's really inner city. There wasn't many golf courses around, no opportunities. It's kind of like not really a thing that kind of Irish immigrant kids would have been into in London. But when I came back to Ireland to live, um, yeah, started getting into it, mainly because of Khan, because it was on our doorstep um, it was a big buzz around the town. So I suppose my favourite and my one of the earliest memories I have, I'd be a long-term fan of Porrick Harrington anyway. Um, and I think it was watching him win the Open at Carnoustie, 2007, sitting in McDonald's Bar in Balmarlock, which if anyone who's been there knows it's an experience. Um, that epic playoff with Sergio, it was just, I think the whole pub was just like, ah, when he hit into the water. Six points behind, I always remember him, um, the previous day. Um, and then the uproar when he won, I think it was a one-shot win at the time. First Irishman in 60 years, an epic night. Um, really, really good now. Just the atmosphere was electric in there, and we were all so delighted. And I have an interesting story. I heard Porrick Harrington on a radio interview, and he was wondering what happened to the shoes he wore on the last day of the Open. And we actually have them at Chacon. So, Porrick, you'll have to come down to Chacon to get your shoes back. And the reason why we have them at Chacon is that the chairman, Jerry, um, won them in an auction, um, and they're signed. So he kind of gave them to me and said, listen, put them up in the clubhouse. Um, but suffice to say, I haven't as yet. I have them stashed. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so that's it, really. Um, you know, and they say never meet your, your hero. I actually met Porrick at the Irish Open in La Hinch. We were down staying in the Armada Hotel, and he was in there having a uh, – he wasn't having a drink there. He was having a bite to eat, um, and I got chatting to him. And you know how they say never meet your heroes? 
Well, I'll say he's the exception. An absolute gentleman. Had a great night. So, yeah. Oh, deadly. That's a great story. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll have to get the glass box from Amazon or somewhere to put them shoes in. I'll tell you, sign uh, down beside and everything. Yeah. So, oh, fantastic. I, I do a little bit of research for these things. Um, <laughs> oh, God. I used to do a lot. Now I just do the bare minimum. Because uh, I find oh. that if I ask if I ask questions that you you expect to be asked, well, you probably haven't prepared some of your professionalism. Um, we're professionally unprofessional in this uh, setup. I'm proud of it. Um, the question being on LinkedIn, right, which is the Bible. Um, if you want to mean you are financial services, then Ministry of Defence in the UK, so MI6 stuff to entrepreneur in Mayo. Right. <laughs> so what brought what brought you to Bell Mullet uh, and then on to Karen Gothings? Okay, firstly, my LinkedIn profile. I'm that professional. I got locked out of it with my old email. I haven't managed to access it back again yet. No, <laughs> MI6 have just blocked you out of everything. That's, that's what <laughs> no, it is. I, um, I'm actually, my mother was from Bell Mullet and my father was from Galway. So I spent all my childhoods like in London growing up, big Irish immigrant community, we all came back to Ireland for the whole of the summer holidays. It was kind of a thing. They'd say, you're going home, we'd come back, stay with my grandmother down in Balmala, and then up to Galway for a while with my family up there. So um, kind of having a load of family here, loved the place from when I was a kid, hated going back to London, really. Um, and then uh, came back. I actually met a man from Balmala, but I met him in London in an Irish bar. Everyone thinks we met here, but we didn't. Um, and then he'd just come out of the Irish Army, actually. It was a funny story. So then we ended up back here um, early 2000, actually late 1999, um, and I got an opportunity to work for a multinational that everyone knows about in Belmarle at Shell. And I, my job there was like to do a social investment. It's like their corporate social responsibility, which is a bit of an anomaly with Shell. But anyway... Um, they had just gone through a big mediation process with the Irish government, and it was my job to kind of roll out part of that mediation report. So I was meant to work for them for a year. I came back to, decided I'd stay in Ireland for a year to see how it went, um, and ended up working there for nine years. So I never went back. I stayed here. That so that happens. was how I ended up. That happens. Many I've worked with many a person, and they would have started somewhere in like, like a beef factory uh, as yeah. an intern for the summer. And then yeah. I turn on, how long are you here now? I'm here 18 years. <laughs> yeah. So well, yeah, that's a that's... habit of doing that to people. You come, you kind of fall in love with the place. It's truly a lovely place. People are lovely. Um, and yeah, it's got cons. So what more could you want? So where, where did the oil baroness <laughs> legacy <laughs> stop and the, and, and the position in Karen, what, what brought you in over the road a little bit to Karen Gofflings? Well, when I was working for Shell then, they divested the whole project down there, the gas project when it was up and running, to a Canadian company. And let's just say their contracts weren't as lucrative as Shell's. So they were offering redundancy. So I thought, yep, great time. Get out there now. Get a nice handy number somewhere. Nice part-time job. Because Shell was a mad job. Like it was full on 24-7, lot of traveling. Um, so I was like, yeah, had enough now. Maybe work part time somewhere for a bit. Um, actually went to the they have like a first gas party, which is when the first gas flows, they have a big party for all the project stuff. Okay. Um and it was a big party. And at about I think twelve o'clock at night in the anchor bar, I met Jerry Maguire, who was the chairman at, at Khan. And he was like, Oh, you're leaving. I was like, Yeah, and he goes, I've just the job for you. And I was like, No, thanks. <laughs> And he was like, I'll come back and have a look at it for me. He said it's struggling a bit. And it was at the time, in fairness, it, it was in kind of financial crisis. Um, so I said, you know what? I said, I'll come back and have a look at it over the summer months and we'll see how we get on. And that's how I ended up at Khan. And not to put a year on anyone, but that was ballpark what year? Did Jerry poach you? 2017. Okay. So it rambled on a couple of years. And I suppose when Khan came onto my radar, I knew it was there. I knew it was a hacker, but it didn't really come into my jazz. I need to go up here and play here until till COVID, really. Yeah, and I think yeah. I think that happened. A lot of Irish golfers and Irish people, Irish people turned to golf, and Irish golfers turned to the hundreds and um, of golf courses we have in our own island. We're spoiled for choice. They kind of turned around and said, "Jesus, look what we have here." Um, 
and Karen came on my radar because I follow people like Tom Coyne and Golfer's Journal. And there was a lot around the Twitter sphere of like, what is mid twenty, early twenty twenty, kind of April, May, in the midst of COVID and the surge of interest Karen got. Yeah. Um, I think notably from Godfrey's Journal subscribers. Um, but can you describe that period in time? Um, and I might transition from your first couple of years in Karen and and how you and the team at Karen dealt with it because it didn't sound like the peachiest of oh, no. times going to work. Yeah, so I suppose the background to it was in 2017 when I started at Calm, it really was in financial crisis. They only had around 2,000 visitors. It's a not-for-profit company that owns and operates Calm. So we're not like a traditional structure. There's a local golf club who play their golf there on um, a license agreement, but they're tiny. It's a tiny golf club. So we don't have membership as such. Um, so we rely 99% of our income is visitor income. Um, okay. And if you don't have around 10,000 visitors through the door, the place just isn't sustainable. So when I got there, we did a lot of sales and market, and people always say, oh, Khan came to the fore kind of very quickly. But it was actually three years solid sales and marketing, just going to the PGA show, meeting up with tour operators, and also trying to get it back onto the financial straight and narrow and having the money that we needed to put into the course to bring it where it needed to be. Um, and so 2019, um, Towards the back end of it, things started looking up really well for us. We had a great number of rounds. It was going to be the best ever year at Khan in 2020. We had a load of rounds of golf. We'd started putting money back into the course and the clubhouse. Um, and then we heard about this virus from China, and we were like, ah, sure, out there in China, not going to bother us. And then, bang, as I always remember St. Patrick's Day, that weekend, on the Sunday evening going in and we said, look, we'll close because we knew it was coming. We said, we'll just close um, before we're forced to close. It's the right thing to do because we didn't know much about COVID at the time. Um, and in Khan, it's a very small team. Um, they all work so hard. It's nearly like a family and it's cliche to say that, but it really is. Um, they're all local workers. They all rely on their jobs there and they always go like 120% for us. And we all get on really well. So to have to go in and say to them, guys, we're closing, don't know when we're going to be reopened again. Um, it was a hard night for us and I hated doing it. And, you know, they brought us into the bar, the staff, and sat down and said, come on, we'll have a drink before everything closes down. And we just had kind of a nice couple of hours with them. But then the reality hit in. We had half a million euros of green fees cancelled in six weeks. It was only myself in the office and Jerry. Um, had come in and do the phones um, and we literally had and I mean no money like we were refunding we were like Jesus Christ what are we actually going to do um, Carnvo came close in 2017 to closing its doors but it came closer in 2020 um, and then Tom Coyne who everyone knows great supporter of Khan, great friend of ours um, we owe him a real debt of gratitude he rang and he said listen I want to do a bit of a podcast on how the pandemic's going to affect a tiny golf course on the periphery of Europe. And we said, Grant, he said, look, just kind of write down a day or a few days, a week even in your life and what it's like. So we did. We diarized it. I sent it off to him and he went, oh, my God, we'll just do a podcast on it. So, um, And then literally in the office, my iPhone, I said, Jerry, there you go, do it. And he did it in one go, but he got quite, and uh, you know, people say to him now, oh, you were quite emotional. And it really was. I mean, we were like, what are we going to do? <laughs> it really was. We set up an online store. We did everything we could. Um, but yeah, it wasn't good. And then you have, you know, WhatsApps from staff saying, when can we come back? It was just such a horrible time. It really was. And then the positivity started coming in. Um, so many. I mean, I honestly say to this day, golf is a global community. It's amazing. It's an amazing thing. You know, you hear all the accusations. It's elitist. It's this. When push came to shove for us, everyone, especially internationally and Irish golfers, they just, even if it was an email to say, guys, keep the heads up, you know, can't help you, worried about our own future at the moment, which everyone was. And then the international membership started um I think Tom said, look, if you can, do. So they did in their numbers, and that's how we've developed an international membership base, and that's carried on to this day. And we actually had our first international member guest tournament in May this year, which was a great success and great crack. 
So, yeah, we owe Tom a, a, a huge debt of gratitude and the No Laying Up guys as well because they supported us hugely um, and gave us a big shout out. And that's what got us through. The global golf community got calm and kept us, helped us keep the doors open. And, and then Irish okay. golfers coming in their droves that summer for the staycations, huge as well. Uh, 100%. And so people forget that. You know, pe- mm. people forget COVID was here. You know, yeah. I said to I said to my wife, like, because we had a baby girl this year, and it was like, yes. um, sound six months old, she's already causing trouble. Um, oh, it gets better. <laughs> yeah, and when you mentioned there about you know Patrick's Day twenty twenty, uh, Sophie was born on the twenty third, but like oh, I yeah. couldn't, I couldn't go in at all. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um. Hospitals were in lockdown long before the country was. Yeah. Uh, and we were only talking about it there last week. Oh, yeah, page of six months. And remember the time that, like, I, my child was born. I, I stayed working for five days because I, <laughs> I couldn't see him, you know? I had to yeah. the hospital. It's a bit mad. And, like, yeah, it took a lot of things from a lot of people, I think. Um, yeah. And, and things you'll never get back again, I think. So, you know, in the scheme of things and in the pandemic, you know, the golf was a tiny part. But for the people that work there, it was a big part. It's their life, you know, their their income, everything. So people would say to me, oh, in the scheme of things, it doesn't mean a lot. It's only a job. And I'm like, well, it means a lot to the right, people yeah. that have it. Exactly. It does, of course. It does, of course, especially when it's in a close-knit community like Belmullet, you know. Yeah. Uh, you, you'll find that business is there or, or golf clubs there or communities there. You know, that is a large aspect of someone's life. Absolutely. You know, uh, I just spent four days down home and I was like, if this was all I did every day was work, come into the golf club, talk to a few other members for a couple hours, yeah. do some practice, play a couple of holes, go for a walk in the prom. This would be ideal. You know, if that's all, if the, if that was my life, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, exactly. you, you'd know I was away from the kids, wouldn't you? You'd, you'd know I was away from the kids and the wife for a couple of days, <laughs> uh, living, living the life of Riley. Living, <laughs> living an ultimate uh, Greg O'Shea high wellness day a few days in a row. Um, what's your favourite, aside from my hawk story, right? Uh, <laughs> what's your favourite story of a, of a visitor's experience? Okay, so I have to say, I, like, through COVID, we had so many Irish golfers come and we were delighted. Um, and then in the summer of 21, Bill Murray lands up the Hollywood actor in Cannes. And um, I have to say, it's probably one of my favourite experiences of a visitor. He was just mad. He's naturally comedic. Um, I grew up watching, you know, Ghostbusters, all of that. I was a little bit starstruck when he came. Um, But he was just such a crack. He loved the course. Um, He had a great time there. He was meant to only be there for a few hours, but he stayed until the early hours of the morning in the clubhouse. We had great crack with him. The staff loved him. He couldn't do enough for them. He was in the kitchen. He was everywhere, everywhere. Yeah, he was, genuinely. The chefs were having a crisis. They were like, oh, no, we've got to cook for Bill Murray. I was like, we have to feed him. And they were like, oh, my God, he's so used. We were like, it would be grand. And it was. And, uh, yeah, so I think probably that the fact that he stayed for so long, I think he was with us for maybe 12, 13 hours, um, and just the way he relaxed and the fun and the crack. And he's genuinely another one genuinely nice guy when he was there he had the place to himself because it was covid social distancing all of that um he loved the place he bought a life membership for himself for his four brothers and just had some crack and that's what it's all about really i think no better man no better i man have other that. stories but they may not be appropriate for <laughs> everything's appropriate for this for this middle of the road uh <laughs> production don't worry for people wondering my hawk story is uh playing a part three in Cairn and uh hit one of the few good shots of the day uh to about three feet and then um a buzzard from hell just flew down took my ball and flew off into the abyss and there was a few expletives and it gave Fiona a giggle when we were finished and that story so that's that's my hawk my hawk story it um, was a seagull <laughs> it was a bu- it's a bald eagle that's what it was it was a bald eagle. Um, you said there about international memberships, mm-hmm. and I don't know if that was a thing before COVID or was it something you brought in. 
But I suppose when you between when you started in 2017 to now, what are the the different things that Karen has changed or adapted or, or pivoted? Is a was a was a big word in 2020-21 uh, to provide for their um, membership now. I suppose overseas membership or visitors that maybe they didn't do in the past. Okay, I suppose um, I don't know where to start with that. We've done so much work at Khan, and that's the truth, because I think it was fair to say it hadn't been touched really since it opened in 1995, um, and that was really to, uh, due to a lack of resources. So the first thing that we looked at was when Eddie Hackett built the original 18 down there, there was the, uh, an additional space on the property for another nine holes. And he had drawn out on kind of a rough plan and said, look, when you get the money, guys, you have to put a golf course, add another nine holes in this. It's so spectacular. The dunescape is like nowhere else in Ireland that he's seen. So they did in 2013, they developed the Kilmore Nine um, and never had the money really to maintain it to the standards that it should have been. And there was always a plan to integrate the new Kilmore Nine with the back nine, the original back nine of the Hackett, um, to create a really stunning course which goes all the way through the dunescape. So that was our plan. When we got there, we did a business plan for five years, and we were like, right, we'll do this. Um, it's been on the long finger for long enough. So we closed the Kilmore Nine, um, and that was really about its condition at the time. Um, people would play the Hackett, and then they'd go on to the Kilmore, and that was what they left Khan with an idea that that you know it wasn't quite up to scratch the condition, so we were like, nope, close that. Um, but it wasn't a popular decision at the time. <laughs> I was accused of all sorts of things. It was mad. It was actually, you know, sometimes you do something for the betterment of a place, and it just creates. It was mad. It was, yeah. yeah the backlash from it was huge, um, but we did it anyway, um, and kind of rode the storm that it created for us. Um, and then in t we had it just back up to scratch, and we were opening it in May 2020. Okay. <laughs> that was the plan. So that was another Great thing. idea, bad timing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but we did actually open it in May 2020, um, and we opened it up, and it, Irish golfers were the first people really to, to do that new routing. So that I suppose that's given us two. We actually do, do the Hackett 18 on one day, and the following day we do what we call the Wild Atlantic Dunes, which is the integrated course. So you don't play it as two nines. It is integrated. Um, so it does make it, you feel like you're playing two courses separately. And that's made a lot of golfers stay for two days in Khan, which is exactly what we wanted it to do, um, as well as creating a fab golf course. And so then once we got a bit of income coming in, we've done up, we've renovated the clubhouse, the changing rooms, the ladies' changing rooms, invested hugely in machinery down there. I think we've spent over half a million in the last two years on course machinery. Um, we've redesigned the whole of the first tea complex. We've actually just redoing all our pathways at the moment on the course um, to like a quartz stone, which is lovely. And the golf shop's getting a renovation in January. So, yeah, it's been a lot of work. And I suppose there are the there are the costs. Mm. Visitors just see the results. You know, vis visitors see the results. They see like the first tea complex is one of the best in the country. You could, you could, you're up in the first scene, you're like, geez, I could tee off on, on one of four different fairways here. Uh, which exact one am I going on? Luckily, <laughs> I chose the right one. Um, no, no, everybody listening, take a caddy the first couple of times to play a card. Um, but like visitors, like members in general, but definitely visitors might take for granted, like the investment it takes to get um, a place uh, to a standard. And when you say half a million on machinery, you know, that's, that's significant. You know, that's uh, that's money that you maybe might have dreamt of in May 2020, exactly. you know? Exactly. Yeah, it's a huge investment. Uh, it's not actually half a million on golf course machinery sounds a lot. It's not actually we've we're uh, we've another um, we've just was it eight that. machines, maybe 10? Not even that, <laughs> seven, I'd say. Um, yeah. And then we've just replaced. We spent another 130,000 this year on a brand new buggy fleet. So we put in solar panels. And we're um, charging the new electric buggy fleet on them so it's more sustainable. And they're brand new. They're easy-go buggies. They're lovely. They're, visitors are like, oh, they're great. They're safety braking. They've got everything. They're quick. They're, quick. they're very quick. <laughs> you know, you can't go quick on our course. 
So yeah, um, the downhills. There's a couple of downhills in Cairns. We went to quick. We went to quick. Stop. We've had a couple um, of buggies turn over on them, so we've they've got the safety braking in them. <laughs> so stuff. yeah, it's um no, it it takes a lot of money, and people don't see that and a lot of time. And normally the works on the course that we do start in November, and uh, come kind of March, we hope weather permitting that they're good to go again we're also doing a huge job on our greens and surrounds this winter so we're um taking out all the bad grasses and replacing it all with fescue well that's the plan so we're halfway through that program at the moment so yeah no no 100 i was speaking to a greenkeeper um recently who loves karen and okay. said if he won the lotto maybe multiple lottos. He'd buy the there's a few fields down the back side of the course they said there's you could do another nine holes there easy there is, yeah. Uh, <laughs> there is, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's under consideration. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I suppose yeah. the powers that be, it's very tough to get planning permission for new golf holes in Ireland. There's, you can get planning, I believe, if there's an existing course yeah. or if there's existing dunes with a certain type of uh, moss or grass or whatever. They can be made into links, but not if, yeah, they're very particular. Our whole, very particular. Our whole course, all the land that we have down there is all outside the SAC so we've no de um, designations on it so hopefully um, but it's Some a matter day. of planning like we're a bit wary Khan is a special piece of land and I know a lot of golf courses say that but it genuinely is and I think we're a little bit wary of changing it too much it was very much developed with no machinery um, a lot of handwork there and I'd hate to put another nine in and people say it's mediocre and what we've got is anything but mediocre Hundred percent. You've got to add, and that, that's definitely the way to yeah. think about it. Um, like I was only there for thirty-six hours. Highlight is definitely the golf course, but downtown we didn't get to McDonald's, but we did get to one of the more Instagrammable spots, being Bell Mullet uh, Sea Pool, which oh, is yes. epic. Have you, you having spent summers in Bell Mullet? Surely you have been into the Sea Pool. We have been into the Sea Pool. I think every child that's ever been in Bell Mullet has been into the Sea. Pool pool it's actually um the tidal pool it's amazing it's in a, an amazing spot there really and it's only really become popular since since um covid since covid and dc just became all the rage yeah and there are some mad people who go in there every day right through this winter um a good gang of mad people and it's also become epic as a hangover cure so you'll see on a sunday morning especially That's the reason the we were there at 7 a.m yeah, with the tourists, <laughs> you see a steady stream of young lads and girls going down and not so young lads and girls going down and jumping in. Um, but yeah, no, it's a lovely spot. Yeah, yeah. I went there often as a kid. So yeah, really nice. Oh, we were there, what, middle of September. So it was, um, it was I don't know, it was uh, fresh enough. Anyway, but I tell you, there was six or seven women and I'd say they'd be, you know, from afar in their 50s and 60s. Yeah, and there was the two of us. Uh, my my buddy was uh, not even thirty yet, and me thirty six or whatever. And we we're going into the pool. They're going into the sea, so negotiating, you know, a certain size of wave and everything, and not just walking as if they were like walking the dog down a summer lane. And there's myself and my buddy, and we're <laughs> into the sea pool like there's like two children. <laughs> Screeching. No yeah, my buddy jumped straight in. I I went yeah. I went one inch of uh, skin at a time, <laughs> but uh, I learned next time, next time. And I suppose that's the point. Is Belmont is definitely a two day trip uh, to take mm -hmm. in the the two um, variations or routings of of Cairn, as well as experience the sea pool, as well as the experience. Mm. Um, you know the the village Belmont is coming. So if I'm planning a trip. If I'm Irish, if I'm planning a trip, or if I'm Ben and Hank from Chicago planning a trip, we have two days in Cairn. What are your five things to do, or five tips, things to bring, or places to go, or pints to have, or you know, green teas to have? If that's your inflection. Um, I would say stay in the Broadhaven Bay, the Talbot. They're both in town. Um, fairly close to the centre of town, both of them. And then we also have a new hotel called the Eris Coast Hotel. It's about 20 minutes out and an equally scenic area. Um, and if you're looking for a slightly quieter location, that's a place to go. It's a beautiful hotel. Um, obviously, play Hackett day one. Um, it's slightly easier course route in the Wild Atlantic Dunes day two. It's a bit more challenging. Um, eating 
Clubhouse actually in Cannes, we've two great local chefs, um, one of the best places to eat in town. I'm not just saying that. We get a load of people, locals coming out to eat the weekends. Um, the Talbot Seafood Bar, the Western Strands, the Chinese. The Broadhaven Bay has a lovely restaurant as well overlooking the bay there. Um, Drink-wise, your sport for choice. We've got McDonald's Bar, which I've spoken about a lot. It's epic. It's the oldest pub in Balmala. It's run by the local undertakers. Um, it doubles, as I said, as an undertaker. It's a trad pub. It's great crack. Porrick, the owner, will get up and sing a song. Um, we call it the lobster pop because once you get in, you can't get out. Um, again, there's the corner bar downtown, the Clonlear bar. They're all worth a visit. OD's, um, all the bars in Balmala are lively. Because we're so remote, it really has um, its advantages in that all the locals go out on weekends and it's a really lively, lively town. There's live music in a lot of the bars, um, good restaurants, loads of hiking, loads of adventure sports. If anyone's into surfing, anything like that, kayaking, kite surfing, all sorts of stuff. Um, there's a man down here who does this crazy, what does he call it? He jump, they jump off cliffs into various parts of the ocean. Oh, they call it coasting, isn't it? Coast so you, you walk along the coast tiering and you walk along with say three kilometers of the coast where like you have to navigate the coastline you know yeah and then you Cliff jump dives in, in an the water and they call it the washing machine because it's like tumbling yeah. up on the the waves and that and you see them jumping in there so yeah it's a really like we're out as i said we're remote it's a very remote peninsula but it's also very beautiful um, and probably two days isn't enough. Um, I'd say three or four to really get a touch. Uh, uh, there's all the lighthouses, Black Sod, where they did the um, D-Day landing weather reports. We've got the most beautiful islands that people don't even know about called the Inneski Islands. You can get a boat out from Black Sod Pier out to them. And they're amazing. They're like something you'd see in the Caribbean. Absolutely amazing. Um, so there's so much to do, so much stuff to do. It'd be hard to pick five. It's like picking a favourite child, yeah, really. I know. Uh, definitely something we'll have to do. Uh, we'll have to do a full series. Uh, and not just Cairn, but Belmont in general, it sounds like. Those islands sound like a bit of me. Um, whether I bring the wife and kids is a different story. Um, does that, all those things, places to go and things to do, screams, growth and tourism. So yeah. for yourselves and Karen, how aside from golf course and keeping things up to like keeping adding on one percent like you said they were not going to do anything unless it you know makes the boat faster as oxford and cambridge would say how, how are you developing that attraction what's to come in the future is it mark sales and marketing is it more events you tell me so tourism is fledgling industry at the moment in belmala it really is in the uh, kind of the Mullet Peninsula is rel relatively undiscovered, a bit more so since 2020 with the, all the staycations. Um, but actually, the company that owns and operates Khan Links has a wider remit as a tourism development company for the area. So not many people know that, but we do. So we do actually work with a lot of the other organizations in town to help drive tourism into it. And a lot of that is through sales and marketing. Like we always, from October through to February, we're on the road a lot, sales and marketing. And the digital marketing works, but there's a lot to be said for face-to-face. -face. So we'll be off to the PGA show, which is huge for us. Um, and a lot, of, obviously, we're not just promoting Khan, We're promoting Balmala, the hotels, everything. Um, but that being said, the hotels have a thriving wedding business between them. Um, so in the summer, we struggle a bit for accommodation in Balmala. So we'll be sending people to Ballinar, Castlebar, Westport to stay. So we're looking at developing Lynx cottages on site at Khan, um, which would be 10 high-end Lynx cottages, four beds. Um, and we're just at the design stage of that now. So we're about to go to the county council with it to see whether they say yay or nay to the concept of development there. We're hoping they'll say yes, but you never know. Never so, know. yeah, that's one of our plans. And the other thing really is just we keep at it. Like when we're sales and marketing now, That'll show results for us two years down the road. So you have to always keep your foot on the pedal with it. Um, but certainly we we kind of market the whole area. We're about to do a launch, a whole digital resource of it'll be like a one-stop shop, everything you can do in Eris in Belmullet. Um, Fantastic. Yeah. So there'll be a hard brochure, um, which there's kind of a certain profile of people that love that. 
um, when they come. So we have a tourist information office. So that's been a huge amount of work over the last year, just collating all that information. It'll be very image heavy. Um, and then that'll be on everyone's kind of websites. You can click in and wherever you, whatever you want to do and wherever you want to go, it'll be in this brochure, so to speak. So that's kind fantastic. of where we are. We're always tipping away in the background of all of that stuff. Not fantastic. Um, something I've, I've broadcast. So you know these things, if you say it enough times, it'll happen. Uh, that's why I do these things sometimes. And it's like the 5-0 plan. Anyone listen to the podcast like, oh, he's still on about his flipping 5-0 plan. Is no more sales. I want to go do my GCMA, which is Golf Course Management Accreditation, I think. Um, and I said, no better woman to get on and talk about that than the manager of the year, right? <laughs> so are you, will you be looking for any interns in like 15 years? Because I'm coming. <laughs> yeah, come down. We'd love to have you, Paddy. Be great crack. <laughs> no, I'm, um, you know what? Yeah, we'd love to. We've a small team at Khan and we're always looking to expand it. Um, but we're kind of, these to be the right people as well to slide into that's, it. That's that's the nice, no, I'll take that. But the question is more around, um, <laughs> was it <laughs> something that you, have, <laughs> was it something you, you thought, was that an aspiration? Was that something you really worked towards? Or was it, oh my God, what a surprise, manager of the oh, year, 2023. Well, it was, oh my God, what a surprise. Absolutely. Didn't expect it. Um, didn't even think about it. Um, would never have thought that I would have got that. I was gobsmacked when I got the phone call. Um, a huge thanks to everyone in the tour operator community and the transport. You know, they're really our lifeblood at Calm. We work so much with them. They send us so much business. We have to make sure their clients have a good time. Um, and they're a pleasure to work with. So to get that recognition, look, there's so many golf course managers in Ireland. So many of them do such a great job. So I'm not sure still why they picked me. I'm very grateful that they did. But uh, it's really a reflection on the team at Khan. And that's, I can't do what I do without the team down there. And every one of them gives us 120%. Um, and they make my life easy. Well, most days they make my life easy. <laughs> they have their moments. <laughs> Everyone has their, every every family has their moments. So don't worry. Um, yeah, but no, it's absolutely like, not. It's absolutely. like Stephen's day. It's like Stephen's day sometimes. You know, when you're sick of being <laughs> around each other and you're like Jesus. Um, no, it's the same. It's the same everywhere. Um, great. Before I get on to looking into the future, what question do you not get asked? Not get asked. What, like, yeah, like oh, I wish, I wish someone would ask me that. Do you know what I mean? Or you know, maybe a part of your working day, or week to week, or or something you never get to. So in my line of work, there's nothing better than someone coming along and going, "See that little project you don't have time for? I'll do that for you." Do you know what yeah. I mean? As like, as so is there anything? It might be a project, but is there something that you know, if you want to meet and tour, does not get asked? Okay, I don't ever get asked. Do you want some time off? <laughs> Terry, over to you. <laughs> no, <okay. Fair> <laughs> Not in the summer, anyway. No, I suppose really, um, you know, golf course management is a particular type of job, and yes, it's great. 90% of the time, but the other side of it is, and I'm not really at mercy to this. It's more that I see it with our other golf course managers. You know, sometimes the change in of the guard every year with a new captain or whatever, it really, it gives challenges that I am actually really lucky at Khan that I don't have. Um, and sometimes I get other golf course managers ringing going, ah! <laughs> and I'm like, feel your pain. Thank God it's not me. You know, and that's, it's a bit controversial to say it, but sometimes I think, you know, there's always people who know how to do your job better than you. Um, and they'll say, look, why don't you do this? Or why don't you do that? And, you know, maybe it's not something that, or maybe it is something that other, I never had it before in my professional experience. People would say, right, okay, you're kind of qualified to do that. We leave you, we trust your judgment, as long as you collaborate and you take on board other people's ideas as well. But I've never worked in an industry where people feel quite happy to come into your office and say, right, this is what you need to do. And you haven't done this. And it's a disgrace. And I'm like, okay. So that's, I suppose, um, you don't really sometimes get asked the bare truth sometimes of some of your days. And maybe yeah. it's controversial and you can't always. Like I'm in a, in a blessed position that can't. We have a set management committee that don't change. 
um, and that's who I answer into and thank God for it because they're very supportive and they're they're all businessmen really and so they kind of know and they know the stresses and the strains and the cash flow issues you get sometimes all of that type of stuff and not necessarily golfers sometimes don't know that and they don't understand why they've had this great idea for whole whatever and you're not doing it so for (laughs) whatever reason no it's like um another greenkeeper i speak to a lot of greenkeepers it seems uh said to me the difference between a member or a golfer visitor and someone who works in and for the club is that for golfers and visitors it's their hobby you know but for people working in and on the club that's their job yeah you know, so they're yeah. always looking at things more strategically, long term, and, and I for think the benefit green, of of the place. Greenkeepers are the unspoken heroes. In all honesty, they take a lot of flack from visitors and from us. So, like, if something goes wrong on the course, we're like, "Come in here! Why has this happened? And why have you done this?" And they're like, "You just don't get it. It's the weather, and it's this and that." We do get it, but um, yeah, they are, and they're out there in the really bad weather and the good weather, and they're always tipping away and really there are unsung heroes particularly in Khan. and sometimes they get a bit lost you know they're down out on the course or the greenkeeper sheds away their welfare facilities are away from the rest of the staff and they get a little bit lost and we have to remember sometimes bring them in a bit and say come in come up and see us we haven't seen you in a week so you know i do think they they have a hard job and they're out on the course and they get the flack sometimes you know they might need to put ground under repair or do something or the a gathering area for balls or someone has a bad day on the golf course like a hawk like a hawk yeah, comes in and they come yeah. in and they don't think and they put something into a whatsapp message and you're like ah oh, jesus lads come on you know it sounds you you really it really sounds like you keep everybody together you know so how how do you do that as a as a team um in Cairn with so many moving parts even though the team is quite would we'll say efficient and it might be the bit you know it's not like you 50 people on course mm. how do you go about ensuring everybody gets their time and gets their minute or hour to you know present their view or ideas and then still bring it back to like the overall strategy of you and the like the mm. committee or the the board and what mm. you're trying to accomplish how do you how do you keep all that kind of in one happy happy chappy huggy wuggy family <laughs> <laughs> So I think really, like, we were actually just gone into the Employers Excellence Program with Fortune Island. I had a chat with the guys there and they were like, really, you should be having monthly meetings with your staff. And I'm like, you know what? It's so busy through the summer that we just, and there's so many diverse areas of the, of the golf. And we're like, you know, it's going to be really difficult to get them all in one place. So we just have an open door policy. And when I say open door, it genuinely is. My office is like a little cubby hole at the back of the golf shop. It's very small. I feel like I'm in a bunker at times. <clears throat> but I like to be at the back of the, the golf shop so you can see what's going on. And the door is always open. And when I say to our staff, the door's open, I mean it. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. Um, we'll drop it if a staff member comes in and says, listen. I need to talk to you about X, Y, or Z. And some of that's about suggestions. They're like, look, this isn't working really well. We got really busy and this is a bit of a blip. So then we'll sit down and say, how are we going to fix it? And it really is an open door policy. And yes, people say it's inconvenient, but it's actually not because um, it gives people the space they need. You know, sometimes you bring people into a meeting and they're not in the right headspace or just the dynamics of a meeting where the quieter members of staff mightn't want to say, look, I think this. But if they can walk into the office on a Saturday morning when you're in there and there's no one really about and they can sit down and have a coffee and say, look, and sometimes it's personal stuff that they don't want broadcast and you're trying to help them with something that, you know, so that's how we do it. It's open door. It's not really that structured in terms of we do have good nights out we make sure we bring them all out for a bit of bonding over a few drinks um and having worked in huge multinationals you know we really had i've come from a background of really structured monthly meetings which if i'm really honest i hated i hated them with a vengeance they were a bloody waste of time after half of them you'd sit there going oh christ here we go again i've got 101 things to do i've got to sit here for three hours and attending this so that's kind of why we said right we'll do we're probably next year going to go pre-season meeting, post-season meeting, which is what we do informally at the moment, and make sure they have a good night out, um, a few pints, 
good chat. You learn a lot more sometimes at night over a bar <laughs> than you do in a formal meeting, and that's that. Yeah. It's, it's like, uh, let me tell you something. After about 11 pints. <laughs> uh, you often get the truth. <laughs> Now, what I what I love now in our if you've something to say, say. Would you like a bit of feedback? <laughs> no, we have so, a really good team. I'm not joking. I I'm blessed, and they do make my life easy, and they know that I appreciate. Them. I am blessed. No, no, definitely. Um, in my in my dream of being a a golf manager or or doing something with my own my own business someday, whether that's a hmm. distillery or or whatever, is. I will do no meetings in a meeting format. Yeah, no, no, I hate that. Uh, I, I don't like Because the minute you're across the desk from someone, there's a, I feel there's a, you know, yeah. there's a divide, it, it being the desk. Absolutely. So I'm all for walking meetings. So yeah. I, I, I have this vision in my head that if I'm ever involved in a golf course, like our, it'll be, yeah, Friday's three o'clock walking meeting. So if you want to be in the meeting, join. We're going for a walk at three o'clock. Walking three holes because exactly. there's a big thing of of people like oh well I'm not invited to the meeting I'm not part of the team mm. or why the hell am I in this meeting you know it's yeah. not productive for me yeah. so it'll be very so open door it'll be outside that's how I'd run meetings in in my dream world yeah yeah but yeah it really is it I think it works it's informal and it works best for us down at Khan so I'm not planning to change it I think the staff are happy enough I think they hope. Yeah, <laughs> Part of this podcast is talking about dreams and about futures and about what you want to do. 2024 Outlook. What are you looking forward to, Fiona? I am looking forward to seeing the visitors come back and calm. This time of year, it's so quiet. We see no one from November. We see a few around Christmas. And then it's quiet again till Paddy's Day. And you know what? I can't wait. We get, like, at the end of a really busy season, we have around 14,000 visitors now in, like, six months. So it's full on. And then we're like, oh, take a breath. And then after two weeks, you're like, oh, geez, lads, it's awful boring. I need more company. We need more interaction. So we're like, yeah, can't wait for them to come back. Um, PGA show, I have to say, is I look forward to that every year. It's just great meeting of all everyone that's kind of in golf in Ireland goes to it. Um, it's great for business. It's also good socially get to meet a lot of people so it's kind of one of the highlights of the year for me in terms of any of the sales and marketing we do that'd be my favorite it helps that it's in florida in january um, and really i suppose developing uh, progress in the lynx cottages that's an exciting progression for us in Khan. i think it would be a bit of a game changer for us and then we've got another members member guest invitational in may so looking forward to that as well. Is, that's is a that, mad. Is that Tom Coyne's president's um Yeah, yeah. President's yeah. Day, and yeah. that's a mad week. We had a great week now. I mean, we were all wrecked at the end of it, but it was just full on day and night and it was great. Yeah. So we're looking forward it's to it's that. It's not a it's not a good event or holiday unless you're wrecked after. That's that's my philosophy really life. Yeah. We had great crack. And getting to know your international members because sometimes they just come, you know, a few days a year. Um, and you, it might be in the middle of a busy season, but we block off that week just for them. Um, so we're doing nothing but sitting there chatting with them in the mornings. We'll meet them in the clubhouse, going out with them in the evenings. And it's just really good, yeah. Playing golf, great. Sounds ideal. If you, ever, if you, need, a, if you need a fourth that week, just let me know. I'm Come on down. route. You're always uh, welcome, Daddy. I told you that. <laughs> Completely quick fire Q&A, right? Because you have a busy... You've colleges to build and PGA shows to prep for. Um, <laughs> quick fire Q&A, the real questions, the real hard ones. Um, Fiona, what would your walk-on song be? Oh, Jesus. Um, I will survive. <laughs> How apt. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if there's like a commercial gym in Belmuda, but there's definitely um, plenty there of walks is. and see, see things. Gym or pizza? Pizza. Is there a wood? Is there a wood fire pizza place in Belmont? Yeah, no, there's a place called Aroma. An Italian guy has it. He does the best pizzas. Oh, if it's called Aroma, it's has to be has to be pretty good. Uh, hat visor or bucket hat? Not sure. Bucket. Two pay of choice. Bucket hat. Bucket hats and Cairn. They were all sold out when I got there, but it was kind of woolly right. beanie weather, so I have a nice woolly beanie one. Um, Happy Gilmore or Tin Cup? Tin Cup. Walk or cart? Walk. 
Golf hoodies, yes or no? No. I hate hoodies. They knock my hair. It's a personal thing. Oh, they it's a knock personal thing, hair. right. <laughs> Look, men can wear hoodie. For me, long hair, they just get into knots at the back. Can't do it. It's a female thing. That's, that's, a, that's, a, valid, that's a valid reason. Um, Instagram or Twitter? Oh, Instagram, without doubt, especially now. The reels. It's all about the reels, apparently. Um, play or practice? Hmm. And last, last one. It's a bit of a hypothetical one. We'll we'll pick a scenario. You have launched the cottages. They're live. They're built. They're booked out, and you're celebrating that, right? Hmm. Um, and we'll say you've done your celebrations with the team already, right? So they can't have any of the seats, right? Um, <laughs> and you're planning you're planning dinner, celebratory dinner. Fiona and her pals, or Fiona and her and her heroes. You can have whoever you want at it. You're at the top of the table and you've three people down the left and three people down the right. Who is that? Do you want to meet Candlelit dinner. Poor Carrington. Guest of honour. Rory McElroy. Um, Graham Norton. Bruce Springsteen. That's four. I've two left. That's two four. outs. Um, oh, Tom Hanks, I'd say. Oh. Tom Hanks. Uh, I'm just thinking about conversation now and crack. And then you'd need a Hellraiser in it. So which Hellraiser would I get? Mm, I'm stuck now. Conor McGregor was Hellraiser there before Christmas. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry, not a fan. That's a different type of Hellraiser, though. It's a different type of Hellraiser. You'd need someone that can sing and got a bit of life in them for the evening. Because it's going to carry on, you know, till four or five in the morning. Have that type of a level of gang. You're not going to let them go home, are you? So, uh, my Brucey, he'd be good to start. Okay. Maybe Ed Sheeran. Sorry, Ed Sheeran. he's a bit lame, but still. That's I love all right. Him. No, 100%. Deadly. Fiona, thanks so much for your time. Really insightful into the journey you've been on and Karen have been on since, especially since 2017. And I look forward to tipping back up the N17. And beyond to Ben Monash, hopefully early this year. Yeah, listen, it's a pleasure, Paddy, as ever. And you you know you're always welcome. I'll try. Internship. I'll try. <laughs> I hold it to that. I hold it to that. I'll never 20... hold you. We'll go down to Paddy and Lehinch on me. We'll train you in Khan and then you'll go down to Paddy and Lehinch. <laughs> <laughs> we'll lose you after a year. <laughs> Deadly. Thanks a million. Yeah, no worries. Listen, thanks, Paddy. Take care. What an absolute legend Fiona is. Some great stories there, real honesty and transparency from talking about her whole career through to tough times in Cannes through COVID and all the things they're doing to supplement, to improve and increase the experience for their visitors in Cannes. If you like this episode, please do subscribe to the show, whether it's on podcast format or here on YouTube. So please do. And it helps me know what's good, what's resonating, what to do more of. But also, it gives a bit of extra support to Karen and that bit more reach so that more people might visit there. Until we tune up again soon, I'm Paddy. <laughs>